Um, we began dating my junior year. Yeah, she didn't like me my freshman year. Of course not. Nope. Didn't really know he how, was how many... even on the planet. <laughs> no, you thought I was real cocky and yeah. a jerk because of my car. Yeah. Oh, that's I, right. He had I that. judged him. Oh, I prejudged yeah, he had him. The, that's right. He had the, he had was the, a jerk. He had the Mustang. Yeah, that's was, right. Just had a hot ride. God we, made you marry the really jerk. wasn't serious about, you that know, godly things guy. or God or anything. Yeah. And God made you marry the jerk. Yeah. yeah that's then, awesome. <laughs> all of a sudden, I realized he's going to be a full-time pastor. Okay, well. Oh, it should wow. be fun. He's going to be a pastor and a jerk. That goes really well together. That's awesome. That's, that's how you get a podcast, right? That's, that's exactly how you get a podcast. That's how you get a podcast. Hello, and welcome to Rescuing Churches with Stan and Josh Gibbons. This is the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where we exist to renew vision and restore hope at struggling churches across the country. With over 80% of churches in decline and 1,500 pastors a month battling depression, we strive to equip members and encourage ministers to pursue new directions of stability and growth. everybody. How's it going? I'm your host, Josh, here with my dad, Stan. And today we have with us two very special ladies, one of whom really needs no introduction at all, but I'm going to give her one anyway. kind of feel like I have to say that because, well, she's my mom. That's right. And if I don't say that, I might not have a good rest of the day. But, <laughs> but mom, right. thanks for joining us today. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Miss Annette. And our other guest is the wife of a young local pastor here in Mobile, whose husband, Josh Purvis, also happened to be my high school best friend. Miss Amberly Purvis is with us. Thanks for joining us, Amberly. Thanks for asking. Amberly and Josh are still a local here at Sims First Baptist Church, and we're really grateful to have both Amberly and Annette with us for this special Pastor's Wives edition of Rescuing Churches. Which will be a great adventure. <laughs> we're saddled up with our horses, and what kind of adventure are we going to have here? It will, I'm, ta- I'm terrified. It My will be a great adventure. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm terrified as well. We're going to be focusing on some of the key issues and perspectives in the world of the pastor's wife. But before we get into some of that, let's just do a little bit of informal talk and let our listeners kind of get to know you guys a little bit. Mom, maybe you can start out and tell us a little bit about how you and dad met and kind of wound up in ministry together. Family-wise, I'm not your only child. No, definitely you're not my only child. Um, Stan and I met at, in Bible college, and we've been married 38 years now. I came from North Carolina. Only 38 years? Only wow. 38 years. And uh, I came from North Carolina there. Um, God just put someone in my life to uh, help me uh, kind of guide and direct me, and I really wasn't even that conscious of it at the time, but it was just the providence of God. At that time, uh, actually, before I came to Southeastern, I went probably once or twice uh, when they would do their annual uh, youth conference type thing, and they would bring in youth from all over the United States, really. Um, and I decided, or God prompted my heart would be a better way to say that, I guess, to go there for college. And that's where we met. 
Okay. And now I'm going to throw the same question to Amberly. How did you and Josh meet? Tell us a little bit about how you guys wound up in ministry together. Well, um, we met at Northside Bible Church, which we call our, our home church now anytime we talk about it. It's where we're seated, actually. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is actually where we are recording this. Yeah. And um, I was going here first, and then I left because I was dating someone else, mm. not Josh. Mm. And um, so after a little while, I came back, and um, Josh and I... <laughs> We weren't even really friends. We had friends of our friends, and we were just merely acquaintances, really. I didn't know much about him, and then um, I got into choir and got to know him a little bit more, and uh, he would take me home from choir practice, and um, we just struck up um, a relationship that way, and um, uh, eventually I just felt like this is the guy that God has for me. He's the one that I'm going to marry. Now, for him, it took a little <laughs> bit longer. He would tell me, I'm going to throw him I, under the bus. That I, um, I, I, think, I, seem to, <laughs> I seem to remember that about, about Josh. I remember that. And there was another special lady that was yes. on his yes, mind, and we won't say who. Yes, I, I, uh, I have some, some interesting memories about that whole ordeal. <laughs> So um, at that point, I was just very patient um, with Josh and knowing, knowing that that the Lord, um, <laughs> I just, I couldn't get away from it. I knew that he was the one. And so I was just like, Lord, I'm going to wait. And he would tell me things like, um, I don't know why I shouldn't marry you. And I'm thinking, why are you telling me this? <laughs> like, you're just, you're really, you're making this hard for me. So anyway, um, eventually as uh, our relationship progressed, um, he decided to, to bend to the Lord's will, we'll say. <laughs> and um, we started dating and um, he asked me out on a mission trip which was really cool, and, you know, he gets brownie points for that he one. He definitely gets brownie points for that. <laughs> how, how many guys can say that they, yeah, that they asked their wife? In London, <laughs> which is one of my favorite places, that oh, we only got better. to spend a little bit of time. And so um, after that, we dated for a year, and after that, it was about a year after that, that he um, um, asked me to marry him. So everything was within increments of a year, and so now we've been married for almost um, 12 years coming up next week. Right. And I have a good tie with a lot of your family. So I'm dying to know, maybe just re be reminded of how that <laughs> went with your dad. <laughs> I don't think he really liked Josh that much. I didn't much think so first. either at first. <laughs> I don't know why. I was not a fan. I remember some of those challenges <laughs> yeah. back in the day. So, um, but we overcame all, all of those. Thank the Lord. <laughs> all these years later. That's awesome. That's and now hilarious. he loves him. Yeah, Very of course. Yeah, yeah, he so just funny. didn't at first. Grand, grandkids and all. And y'all yes. been at two, two or three different churches? Yes, we've been to, actually, I was counting, and I think it's five different churches. Mm -hmm. um, so okay. we've been through some things. Sure. Um, the Lord's taught us a lot, and we've been in ministry for 12 years. So we started ministry before the year before we got married. So. Right. And he started out in what branch of pastoral ministry? Um, youth. He was a youth pastor. Okay. And he is now... And he's a senior, senior pastor, pastor now. now. Okay. And we've done Excellent. children's ministry as well. That is so. a natural progression. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yep. kind of worked his we've way been up everywhere. A lot, of people, a lot of people do that in ministry. That's awesome. So, and uh, did did Annette mention the rest of our family, the other children? 
No, she didn't. She didn't. Yeah. She didn't mention any of my siblings, she so I don't know if they're actually important or not. Yeah. So, I mean, so we, other, we don't have to talk about them. The other two children that we have besides Joshua are? Yes, we have Caleb and we have Mary. Caleb is married to Ashley, so I have a daughter-in-law as and? well as two sons and a daughter, my daughter Mary. So, And my, my heart is my grandbaby. Everett, Everett, Everett Lee Givens. Yes. Yes. Very special little yes. boy. We can't forget him. He's perfect. <laughs> he is perfect. Of course he is. Yeah. And Josh and I have two little girls, too. They're very special to us. I'm sorry I didn't mention that. <laughs> we love our babies. That's right. We're trying to make sure we tie up all the loose ends here. <laughs> exactly. We don't want anybody to get in trouble. Exactly. Well, I'd like to ask both of you to share uh, maybe a key verse for you, your life verse, or something that you find tied real strong to your faith and helps you. Uh, just pick pick a key verse or tell me your key verse. Um, mine is uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. It wasn't always. It was in our service this morning. Cool. Yeah. Um, and it was in my devotion last night before oh, I went wow. to bed. I wanted wow. to get a little bit more God time before I went to bed, and nice. there it was on the second reference in my devotion. And so awesome. it was just just a cool connection of today yeah. happening and everything. So Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And that's from the ESV. And I just love that verse because um, all the things that Josh and I have been through, through ministry, um, it's just a promise that I don't have to worry because no matter what happens in ministry, whether we lose a job or have to move or whatever happens, God has a plan for us. Mm-hmm. And so there's every time I start to worry a little bit, God reminds me of this verse. And I say, you know, there's no reason for me to worry because he has brought us through thus far and he will continue. Oh, amen. It's good. That's good. That's a great verse. And I think it kind of goes along. I think, Amberly, your thoughts were a lot like mine because in Philippians 1, 6, it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And I would have to agree with you and what you were saying, because for us being in ministry, as long as we have, we have also faced difficult times. Uh, sometimes you question yourself or you're thinking, you're second guessing what you're doing, but you know that ultimately, you know, no matter what, even when you have made mistakes, errors in judgment, whatever it may be, that God's the one who ultimately completes the work. He is always mm-hmm. working in and through you to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Really good. That's really good. good. That's really solid. Two great verses. Let me ask a couple more questions, just uh, kind of wading into the waters of being pastor's wives and uh, throwing myself under the bus at some point here, probably. <laughs> um, maybe running over myself twice, backing up twice. Um First of all, just in church life, um, and Annette, I'll let you go first on this. What do you believe are the current expectations of pastors' wives today? Both of you are in, uh, we're in a small church here at Northside. Uh, Sims First is a little bit bigger, probably mid-size. would be registered almost as a mid-size. Um, and yet uh, there's expectations that in your head, there's expectations the church has, and then there's actually the real expectations. So talk talk us through where you are with that and what you think the church's expectations of a pastor's wife would be. Well, I think for personally for me, I, I probably struggled with this initially when we came down here because when we were living in Birmingham, I was home with the children full time. 
at that time you were working, um, obviously full time. I mean, you've always worked full time, but I was able to be at home with them because they were small. And that was the commitment we had at that time because your hours were, were not very regular. Most pastors hours are not very regular. <laughs> They're pretty much on call 24 seven. But, uh, when we moved here, there were going to be some changes, um, having to do with health insurance and different types of things. So I actually went back to work um, with the profession that I was trained, my career that I was trained in when I was in college, which was education. So I think I, you know, from being at home for several years and then going back to work, us moving to a new place, even though it was, even though it's your hometown, it was at some level new to me. And uh, the fact that I was going to a new job and meeting new people and having the demands of that job, um, it was all a lot to deal with at the time. And now that I reflect on it, I'm sure there were days that I did not handle it very well at all. Because going back to work, you naturally want to please your employer. Um, my parents always gave me a very strong work ethic. So... Uh, and of course, when you're teaching education, we work, I do, I work long hours. So I'm sure there were times that a lot of that was out of balance. And I think I had goals for myself that I wanted to achieve and do here at the church. But also I had to realize I can't do everything in the church that a pastor's wife is maybe typically or uh, known to do. Um, can't do every Bible study, can't do, you know, everything that comes, can't plan every event. But over the course of time, because here at our church, we have been taught uh, by our pastor, our great pastor, it's important to develop, pastor. it's important <laughs> to develop, a little bias there. <laughs> it is important to develop your spiritual gifts. And if you have the gift of teaching, then teach. If you have the gift to administrate, administrate. Uh, if you have the gift of hospitality, use that gift in the church, in your homes. So it's also been fulfilling for me as a working outside the home pastor's wife <laughs> that um, I have seen people be able to use their gifts, develop their gifts when maybe they would not have done it. Otherwise, had I jumped on and said, oh, let me do that. Well, let me do that. I think I should do that because I'm the pastor's wife. You know, it's it's given other people an opportunity to grow and develop. That's good. Amberly, what about you? What do you what do you think the expectations are? <laughs> well, I'm really. Thinking, high. Yeah. Yes. Now yes. that Miss Annette has uh, answered that, I'm thinking, man, I do a lot of things wrong <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> because I'm still very new at this, even though we've been doing it for 13 years. I, I still have so much to learn. And I'm the one that jumps at it. If this does, if, if somebody walks out on this, I have to jump up. Right. Like in children's ministry, that's my big deal that I, that I take care of right now. Our, our uh, children's ministry left. And, um, I said, I can't drop the ball on this, Josh. I said, if, if I don't pick it up, there will be no children's right. ministry as, sec- as far as someone leading it. And yeah. So, there's, there's two angles that I'd like to probe with you real quick. You have children in children's ministry, so yes. there's this huge value there. Yes. Um, and and your church needs that help, right? Mm-hmm. But but did you did did you feel the pressure because as a pastor's wife you're pulled into that, and they're like the church is waiting on you to take. If somebody's going to take it, you're going to take it. Well, I don't feel like it was so much that it was 
I guess. Just a need. Yeah, it was a need. And I didn't see anyone stepping up and being Mm -hmm. like maybe an undergirder of the last person that was there. And so I thought, you know, and I did help him out a lot and his wife. And so Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, I want to pick this up. And all I could think about is our children having nothing to do and and not being guided. And I thought, you know, and maybe because of me having children as well, I thought, I want there to be something good here. And so I will, if someone wants to help me with it, great. And and we do have people helping us, you know, but um, I don't want to, that's, that was my word is we can't let the ball drop on right, this. Right. And our children's ministry was already getting smaller, you know? And so um, I said, we've got to still run with this, whether we have one, two, how many of we have. Yeah. So it was important to me, you it's know, good. and Josh. It's good. It feel as a pastor, I've said this on other podcasts, but the expectations of a pastor are off the charts, like walk on water and, you know, paint the building all at the same time. You can't do that, dear. Trust me. (laughs) Trust me. I can't even swim good. So, but but does it feel like the expectations on pastors' wives are inordinately high for for either of you, both of you? Typically, is that in your head or is it perceived? Is Is there a feeling of pressure or anything like that that comes with your role? In ministry, I think if I have that feeling, it is would be something that I've done to myself in my head. Um, it would be my own doing. It would be something that I would be um, kind of leaning in toward, and I have to evaluate that to sense. Okay, is this something that God is prompting in my heart to do, or is it something that the enemy is saying, um, "Oh, you really should be doing this," and if you don't, you really aren't good enough or that type of thing. So you have to be discerning in where that voice is, so to speak, coming from. That's good. So, and we have really two, two different generations of pastor's wives here, Amberly representing the youngest and (laughs) Annette representing the the most beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't you sweet? I wasn't going to kill myself. That just wasn't going to come out right. It was not (laughs) a good way to say that. Next slide. So, but uh, she's but, the, she's the more experienced. How about that? Yeah. How important do both of you believe it is to relate to the seniors in a church? Um, Annette, you, there's there's elderly people in our church significantly older than you still, um, and and you have a pretty strong relationship with them. So how important is that for pastors' wives? And then Amberly, from your generation, will we'll let you do the same. I think it's very important because we know of the Titus passage that talks about how the older women are to teach the younger women and older women can learn from younger women as well as younger women learning from older women. I know that we have a prayer group that meets regularly on Sunday that may have two, three, four women in it. Um, and those you're, are all you're senior typically saints. the youngest one there. I usually am the youngest yeah. one there, yes. And I really value those ladies. They have uh, years of experience of walking with the Lord. They have faced things within their families that are common to most people. And they get to share um, how God is helping them to deal with those types of situations, what they're learning. They share uh, about their devotional time. Um, So it's very valuable to have those ladies uh, sharing into my life and also the lives of other ladies in our church. That's good. Amberly, how about you? Um, I would say there's, there's so many, um, what we call, 
senior saints instead right. of our older ladies. Right, right. Because, <laughs> and Josh says that a lot and he has to take that back and say, I mean, our senior yeah, saints, senior you know, because right. it just comes out sometimes. But sure. there are so many precious ladies that we have in our church and, um, and a lot of them do a good job of it. But I would, in my generation, I'd like to see more of that, more of the Titus happening, you know, where it's, you know, th- that it's happening so much as far as the pouring into so much more of that. Right. So. Right. All right. Let's get some thoughts on, and I'll ask mom this first, how, and this is just kind of a little bit of going back to the beginning because, you know, I want to, you know, take it back to, you know, when your role as a pastor's wife first started, how does your life, you know, think, think back to, you know, when you and dad were first dating and then, you know, you realize that it was going to start leading towards marriage and all of that. And really, you can start thinking of the same for you and Josh. How does your life and schedule kind of start to change when you become the wife of a full time pastor, when you realize that your husband is going to be somebody that's going to be in full time ministry and then we'll follow that up with what sort of advice you would give to a, a young pastor's wife who's, you know, maybe coming into that, you know, who's, who was not quite ready for it. Wow, that's a big question <laughs> and pretty in-depth. Um, sorry, I can't help it. I mean, it's just that's okay. the, it's, the, it's the journalist it's in me coming out. It's the journalist in me. Yeah, yeah there, yes. there's, there's a couple more of those coming. So. <laughs> that was a heavy one. Okay. Um well, I knew I had the advantage, and I use the word advantage, of knowing that Stan was going to be a pastor because we right. both met at Bible college. So maybe, you know, God was saying, um, hey, yes. <laughs> you've been warned. It, it, yeah. So here's, um, here's, the, here's the warning. It um, makes you feel great. But you really didn't know what you were getting into. <laughs> no, no. I mean, no, there's I, so. no, no, we didn't. And you really I mean, can't. Well, and we were young. We didn't even know what we were getting into to just be married. I mean, there, there's, you know learning to be done there. I think um, the adjustment of having to know that at any point in time, he can be called away to do something, maybe even when you're planning a, a family get together and there's balance, you know, that needs to be done with all that. Uh, I've always been one to, to sit down and tell him if I feel like uh, maybe it was out of balance. You know, there was never a problem. I could always sit down and say, hey, Stan, you know, we need to sit down and talk about how things are going. This is a little too fast for me and the kids. Can we slow down, take a break? We need to have a, you know, a night out or um, a time out with the family or whatever. Go away on vacation something. for a couple of months on a cruise, right. something <laughs> right. like that. Right? No, yeah. we didn't do that. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that's an important thing we to wish. remember that, you know, pastors are um, very much called upon to drop everything at times oh, yeah. to help someone because sure. what they do is of eternal value. So oftentimes you're uh, dealing with people who are going through um, crisis. Yeah, definitely. And going through a lot of different types of emotion. Um, there are also lots of wonderful times, you know, weddings and just different types of things that are times of celebrating that are light. I don't want to paint a picture that it's all, you know, serious and right, heavy, right, but sure. it's, it's all really good. Yeah. Um, that's good. That's, that's really good. Amberly, what about you? How did your life and schedule kind of change when you realized that Josh was going to be in full-time ministry? Well, um, since we started, um, 
our ministry before we got married, I don't think I really knew what I was getting into then. Right. But then the year after or within that we got married the year after and we were in youth ministry and it was very intense. There were a lot of issues. Our children were very needy and um, just had been through a lot of just hard backgrounds. And I, honestly, I started to get jealous and I was like, where is the time where we can spend together? We're mm. newly married wow. and these kids are always over here, which we love them. But I found myself getting into a, a sinful mindset of being jealous of those children that I had to stop myself and the Lord too, I'm sure helped me get through that to say, this is what it's going to be, you know, and they're important as well. And you can spend time with him, but, um, and there has to be a balance, just like Miss Annette said, you know, and you have to be upfront and honest with your husband, um, because things do get out of hand sometimes. And it's very, it's ministry is very needy, a very needy thing. You can't just, I mean, you can, but most pastors don't just shut their phone off or don't oh, yeah. answer the phone. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I remember our first youth pastor that Josh, Josh Gibbons, not my Josh, uh, yeah. both of us <laughs> yeah. shared, um, Edwin Attaway. He said, um, y'all can call me at any time of the night. And I always thought, oh, that's so nice, you know, but really that was his job. You know, he wanted yep. to be there for us. And so it, it doesn't get turned off. You know, you can't turn it off. It's a 24 hour deal. Yeah, it really is. And so, um, but that's just part of serving the Lord is, you know, but I had to balance that and I had to help get the Lord to help me with that because I was jealous in the beginning. Um, but the Lord got me through that to, to realize, you know, we're in this together, you know, so that's good. Um, what do you believe? Um, and I'll, and I'll ask you this first mom, what do you believe is one of the most important kind of going along with that is one of the most important responsibilities of a pastor's wife kind of in the day-to-day world and in, in, in your day-to-day schedule, how do you live that out in a, in a practical way? Well, I think, um, making it, chicken pot pie. <laughs> I, I haven't just, made that in a while. I was just throwing that out. Just throwing, throwing that, that out. out. <laughs> German chocolate cake. cake. German chocolate cake. Oh gosh. Don't even get us started on that. We're going to have a whole podcast on German well, chocolate cake. I pass cake. that off to my daughter. She makes a great German chocolate cake. So I'll let that her handle true. that now. She, uh, she actually brought one to the house a few weeks ago. So that was great. Um, I think it's important to always support um, Stan in what he's doing. Uh, I don't disagree with him in public around um, the church people. Um, I think there are times you can have at home to discuss things back and forth in private um, because I know that pastors in general are under a lot of criticism uh, we're especially seeing this with just the recent situation with the COVID. Right. Uh, they get varied and multiple opinions. Multiple opinions. About how they should be running the church during this time. But that's just one example. Um, in a pastor's life, you get opinions. Everybody has an opinion. They're like noses. Everybody just oh, yeah. has one. <laughs> so when you come on to uh, a church new, you get a lot of opinions. Uh, that's not a bad thing. Right. Um, it, you look at it in a positive way that people want to share with you what they're thinking, what they're thinking which and is their good. thoughts and all that. Yep. Um, so I always want to support him and his decisions and make sure that I let him know that I'm very proud of him. He's doing what God's called him to do. 
He um, is doing things that have eternal value uh, that will last forever. So um, that's just very important to me. That's right. the top priority for me. That's good. What about you, Amberly? What's an important role in your day-to-day, week-to-week schedule for a pastor's wife? Well, I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I don't really get to go up to the church. And right now, we've got more children at the house. And so, right, right. <laughs> um, my nephews are staying with us currently. And so um, I am constantly buried in that, um, just trying to grasp or trying to get a devotion in. And most days, honestly, it doesn't happen. Um, and so I have to make it happen. Um, but um, I would say... I do try to support him when he comes home. I try to ask him, you know, mm-hmm. how was your day? And I can tell by his face, you know, if he had bad call or bad <laughs> meeting, even if he says it was fine, you know. Right, right. Um, and so uh, the biggest, um, I hope I'm not getting ahead of myself but uh, with a, another question, but um, the biggest thing for me is to not fight his battles for him. Right. When I get frustrated about something he tells me when he gets home, um, that I think my first thought is, how dare they say that to you? Do they know what you're already going through? You know, and mm. it's really hard. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and I have to keep my mouth shut and I have to hold my tongue and remember that that God is going to fight our battles for oh. us. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so um, will. I just grip my teeth and go, oh, okay, let's pray <laughs> about this. You know, so um, and that's, that's all what you we can do. do. That's all you <laughs> right. can do sometimes. That's all you can do. Gritting women. Oh, yeah. At the, at the same time, uh, when he comes home with something heavy, um, you can pick that up and make it heavier as, yes, as a wife. I can. Or you can, uh, you know, you can, uh, you were just saying it in, in a really good way that you, you can either bear his burden or burden him differently. Yes. And, and I will say um, that just the other day, maybe maybe just about two days ago that happened and and I I had to come back and apologize to him oh, and well, say, okay. I'm sorry that I made the load heavier. Right. Because I just added on my frustrations and what I thought about the situation and right. It was like the Lord checked me of that right. to say, you know, you're not making it easy for him. Don't do that. Right. Well, and, and just candidly at the table here, I risk my own whole, whole life here. I've got the silent partner is, is here to protect me. He's my bodyguard. Yeah. He <laughs> our, our sound guy. Um, but, but I, I will say there are times when my wife practically begs or insists that I tell her what's weighing me down because she could read it. And I don't want to tell her because Sometimes I don't want to pile on. I don't want her to tell me how to fix it or to to take the weight for it to weigh on her now because now I've got to minister to her yes. and still fix the problem because yes. I just wounded her with whatever wounded me. Yes, and John so shields me from right, a lot. Right. And so he will speaking, refuse to t- to tell me. And I'll say, please just tell me. And he'll say, right. no, you're not going to know about it. Just pray about speaking it. Speaking for all our pastors, <laughs> it's a balancing act because our wives need to know what's weighing on us. So they can help carry it, but we also don't need to dump it on them so they can end up wounded in the same time. And now we have, you know, we've created a bigger weight, bigger emergency room than and we I have. I find before. myself going, What's their name? <laughs> you know, no, you're not. It's not like I'm going to say right anything now. to them. You know, I'm just going right. to 
I wouldn't actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just want to know, but I don't know. need to know. And so it's like, okay, I don't need to know. <laughs> and I will, I will say that I've had to grow in that area, and I'm definitely not even there yet. I have not mastered that. Um, when we were, you know, first married, and once the kids came, and I was home all the time. I mean, just in the day to day life, I was with children you know, all day long. So when he came home, I wanted adult conversation. So I was like, oh, please tell me about the meeting. Please mm-hmm. tell me when you, you know, met with so-and-so and what took place and all that. And uh, some of it he did not need to tell me just based on, you know, being holding the confidentiality right. of it all. But some of it, like he said, he did not want me to be burdened with it. And Stan's always been uh, someone who just mulls things over inside of himself. So I have to work. He's not someone who just naturally talks about things. So if I really wanted to know, and it was something that he discerned that I could know, I would have to ask a lot of questions to pull it out of him. Right. So over the course so that, of that must yes. be that must be where I get that from. Then. I'm, I'm, see, I'm learning so many new things on yeah. this part. This was a terrible idea. Why did we even sign up? I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to talk about it either. But, yeah, Let's not talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we're, we're done. All right. Okay. But over the End course of, the of over the course of 38 years. <laughs> You know, I I have had to learn, hey, you know, I trust him. We've been, you know, as a couple, we've always grown closer together. I trust him. And, it, and if he believes this is something he, he should share with me, he will share it with me. And if not, back on, you know, to piggyback on what you were saying, I will just pray for him. Pray mm-hmm. that he'll make the right decision, yeah. that God's timing will be what it needs to be in that situation for mm-hmm. all people involved. Right. So that's just something that I've grown myself in and continue to need to grow in. Okay. I got a couple of uh, questions <laughs> left here to wrap out with. Um, and one of them is taken from a, a survey that was done recently. And, and I really want to get both, both of you to kind of chime in on this. It was a survey of pastors wives that was taken a few years ago. Um, and there was a little bit of research done on their, their thoughts that were trending on some different things in church life and in ministry life, just in general. Um, and they found that when they, when they did this survey and, and I think you guys will kind of get a kick out of this, but I want to see what you what you think about it. Um, they found that one of their top responses to things that they wish they would have known before signing up to be a pastor's wife, like if, if they literally could have just known anything, one of the top trending answers was, I wish someone would have just told me that there are some really mean people in church. That was the, that was the actual quote. The top quote, I wish someone would have just told me that there are some really mean people in church. So I'm going to ask both of you, starting with mom, why do you think that we sort of have this idealized vision that church people aren't mean? And how would you encourage pastor's wives to handle that, just the reality of life in general, just not even just church, but just life in general, is that nobody is perfect. I mean, how would you just kind of encourage people to kind of grasp that? (laughs) Well, as you were sharing that, I was reflecting back on the fact that Stan and I met at Southeastern. And I know that my specific circumstances are different than Amberly and Josh's. But, you know, we used to call Southeastern the Holy Hill because you were we lived we both lived on campus. We went to Bible classes every day. 
we when we met for breakfast, we were talking about things we were learning spiritually in class. When we met for dinner, we were talking about uh, maybe even just a paper we were doing for class, but it related to scripture. Our lives were completely absorbed in script, scripture. And for me personally, even though I came to Christ when I was eight years old, I, I was away from the Lord during my high school years. And like I alluded to earlier, um, God put someone in my path to, it's just the providence of God that led me to Southeastern. And when my four years on the Holy Hill, as we call it, I just absolutely loved going to class and learning about the Word of God. I loved it so much more than the, we call them our methods classes at the time, because I was also training to be an elementary school teacher, which I've done for a very long time now. Um, We won't say how long. Yes, very long time. (laughs) But I just loved the Bible classes. And when Stan and I would even meet for dinner and he would share, I didn't take any Greek or Hebrew classes, but when he would share what a Greek word meant, just all the shades of meaning and how great the language was, I was like, that is so fascinating. I had no idea. Even though I had gone to church my whole life, no one taught that. No one taught that. So that was amazing to me. And so at some level, when I left Bible college, I had this naive notion, oh, when we hit the church, whatever church we're supposed to be at, they're going to be like that. We're going to start teaching the word and they're going to want to gobble it up like I did because it's so fascinating. And it is fascinating, but not everyone is on that page. And it's it's for a variety of reasons. Some people are just trying to survive in life, and they don't necessarily need all the, um, I'm trying to think, all the, maybe the academic part of it. They need to know that you can take that and make it real for them. Mm. Can you love them? Can you show them grace and understanding because yes not everybody in the church is at that point and there are people in the church that are struggling so much with their own lives uh things that are happening to them it's hard for them to see past that so sometimes offenses can happen very quickly over the smallest things and those are just things you have to deal with. Yeah, and that's what that's what ends up leading to the issues like the anger issues and the the, the deal here of the mean people in the churches. Yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. And really, what do you what do you think? Why do you think that that might have been one of the top trending things among pastors' wives? And what are, what are your thoughts on that? How would you encourage a pastor's wife, um, you know, who might be dealing with something like that? Well, I would say that um, a lot of times we. We definitely think of pastors and their wives as perfect people that don't make mistakes. But we also kind of think of people in the church as um, that they don't have any flaws either, especially people looking yeah. out outside into the church, that they're just loving and great and they never make mistakes and they have perfect families and all this stuff. And so I think we, we go in thinking we're going to be accepted by everyone and there's no, never going to be any disagreements, but that's not true because God, that's why we need Jesus is because none of us are perfect. And also, if I might be as bold to say um, that... Um, not everybody in the church is a Christian. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so we have learned that definitely in our ministry that sometimes there are wolves that come in the church. 
And um, you can't always, just because somebody calls themselves a Christian, um, doesn't mean they are. And so um, you have that. Um, and not saying that there are a lot of unsafe people in the church, but there are some. Um, because we find ourselves going, Josh and I saying, why are they acting like this? This is very just not Christ at all. And it's a continuation of this happening. And we think, you know, okay, maybe they're goats. Maybe they're, they're not with Christ at all. And this, the, the very dangerous and scary thing is they don't even know it. Right. That, that's I true. There's two categories, Amberly. I've written, <laughs> yeah. started writing these notes for myself, and I'm going to get a couple of pastors in here at our podcast one night and pick their brains about it, which may turn into some sort of crazy thing. But, but there are wolves in the church. Um, and I was on the phone this weekend with someone for almost two and a half hours dealing with a wolf in a church um, and how that's playing out into leadership and what's how it's destroying a good church. Um, but there are also the Bible says we need to let the weeds and the tares grow together, uh, the weeds and the wheat grow together. So so there are people who come into the church that are weeds mm-hmm. and we're supposed to let them grow with us. So. I don't even know how that works, really. I mean, I've only been doing this for 40 years, so I don't have the answer, but it's Come interesting. On, you're supposed to have all those answers. It's interesting because I just started writing uh, some, some notes for myself to discern uh, wolves and weeds, you know, to mm-hmm. try to discern. Uh, yeah. Because, and I do think there are times where a pastor has to step up and be very defensive. You're a wolf. You can't, you can't stay. You can't teach. You can't yeah. share. You can't even be here. Uh, yeah. We're going to put you out. Yeah. And then there are times when you have to say, hey, we just need to bring some clarity to this and we're going to we're going to try to round that out. So right. very well said. Absolutely. Very well said. I want to pick both of your brains real quick on. Um, and, and this is something that has come up even just in. I mean, being a pastor's kid myself, you know, you, you see this all the time and and you get pastors. Pastors get. I don't know if you know this, dad, but pastors get criticized. Um, and, and then they get criticized about the fact that they're criticized. Really? So I want to ask both of you, how do you actually handle criticism of your husband? Um, let me start with you, mom. What is it like, you know, when somebody, whether it's, whether it's serious criticism, you know, like if they're picking apart, you know, I really don't like the way that he preached that sermon and his can't stand his singing voice. Yeah. His theology was terrible. Yeah. Or he's singing. Yeah. He's saying terrible or. You know, it, he's got really, he's got a bad haircut or, you know, hey, easy. Hey, you know, no hair or whatever the problem easy. is, or you know, yeah, how do you handle the, the criticism when it's like, you know, just coming from people that are supposed to be, you know, in love in the church, but you know, it's, it's people, you know, personally or, or whatever the case may be. And, and are there any biblical truths or principles that you might um, as- associate, you know, with that or anything that's worked well for you in that area? Well, I know when we were first married, um, I would say that it, I would was probably more reactionary. It was probably one of those, you know, like Amberly was saying earlier, uh, you know, I wanted to go, give me the name of that person. I will go that, to their house that, and have a talk with them. natural defense. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I'll clarify some things, <laughs> but that's and, not and, and, and that's you, not and, the stance and, and, today. And for those of you that are listening, you can't see, but she's doing the yeah, chicken, doing the chicken, she's doing the chicken, chicken neck, neck move. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, we, we should have been videoing this one. She's doing the chicken neck. But I would like to think over the course of 38 years that I've kind of mellowed out about that. Matured a little bit, maybe. ultimately, maybe. 
That's not my responsibility. I'm taking on a responsibility that isn't mine. That responsibility lies with God and the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Uh, and yes, those things have happened. I think we, we have to stop as the pastor's wife and stop focusing on how does this affect me and, you know, Stan and I want him to always be in a good light, which is a good thing to have. But it's not my job to do that. It's not my job to protect that. And, and when I, tr- and when I see myself doing that, I try to stop and look at where <clears throat> that person is. Um, because when, you, especially when you are the new pastor coming in, you probably are going to be making some changes that are hard for people if they've always had it done another way in the church. So, it's very hard for them to let go of a lot of the old traditions oh, and that type yeah. of thing. For sure. So you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. You want to come in and gradually make those changes. And I will say that I believe Stan's done a great job in, in this church for the last 20 years because he came in and he wanted to, to educate our people on what Scripture says. He doesn't come from, hey, this is just my opinion, and I think we should do this because I think it would be good. But what does Scripture say? Um, even in just the example of moving from just having straight hymns all the time in your church to having uh, praise songs, you know, you teach them biblically. Look at the Psalms. There's lots of songs in the Psalms. That's what right, they are. Exactly. So you begin to educate them. What does this? What do these Psalms actually say about God? These are truths about God, and. You know, it's thrilling to see the transition happen. And that's just one example of mm-hmm. among others. Yeah, one of several. But you sure. have to remember you are planting seeds. Yes, you're planting the seed, the gospel, but you're also planting seeds in other people's lives as you go through and say, you just try to give right. them a different perspective right. that exactly. you believe is scripturally sound. That's good. Amberly, what about you? How do you handle it personally? When Josh comes home, he's had a, a really hard day. I mean, you know, it just, you know, I can kind of picture it already. He, he comes home, he's, he's exhausted, and he tells you about something that went really bad or somebody that just, you know, ripped him to shreds ministry-wise, and and you have to, you know, kind of deal with the emotional weight of all that. Um, Honestly, it just depends on what mood I'm in that day, right. how <laughs> sure. I deal with it, really, because some days, like we were talking about earlier, I may add to the load. Other days I can say, Josh, look, let's go back to the Bible and look at the prophets, how they were treated. They were spreading God's word. They were saying hard things and you're saying hard things and you're trying to change things. And they don't like that. Like Miss Annette said, it's, you know, it's a gradual thing, but it's like when we keep doing the same thing over and over, we're not going anywhere for Josh, that's like he's banging his head against the wall. Like, why mm-hmm. are we not changing? We need yep. to look more like Christ. And so there, most of the time I'll say, you know, look at the prophets. Look what they went through. And like just this morning, the Lord brought to my mind, I can't remember the scripture reference, but that they hated me and they're also going to hate you. And so I have to take solace in that actually to say, you know, just because he comes home and they were beating him over the head, whatever, you know, ripping him to shreds with whatever they said or whatever. It's, you know, um, not that he's doing something wrong. So we evaluate that and say, did you go about it wrong? And if he does say something, I'm thinking maybe you shouldn't have said it that way. I'll tell him, you know, but a lot of times it's, you know, we're, 
we're battling against our flesh all the time. And so that's something that we're dealing with and they're dealing with. And so I always try to, I try to take him to the scriptures and say, look, Mm -hmm. this is, this is what the prophets went through. This is what Jesus' disciples went through. They didn't have a hard, an easy time. And we're not going to have an easy time either. That's good. Right. Really good. good. Um, and then one final question, just real quick for, for both of you, um, is to, to put this on a good ending note, is how important is it for you to have a personal friendship or relationship with another sister in Christ? Somebody that you can just get coffee with somebody that you can talk to or just call up when something is, is going crazy or going wrong or just, you know, anybody that you just, when you need to have some accountability with somebody or something like that, how does that kind of fit into your niche role as a pastor's wife? Well, I think it's really important. I, you know, I think all women want to have someone that they can just, you know, let down their hair with and they won't be judged, criticized. They're allowed just to share from their heart as a woman to a woman. Um, and I think it's very important. I think it's vital in the body of Christ. Yeah. Uh, and, and for a pastor's wife, especially. It is it is important for a pastor's wife because there are those times where we feel probably and maybe we put this on ourselves more than we should. I don't know. Amberly can share if she does this also that we sort of have this um, stereotype thing going on in our head about how we should be and that, oh, we should be strong and none of this should bother us. Right, right. Oh, it'll be okay if I don't have anybody to talk to about this with because, you know, always have God. And and that's true. We do always have God. You're the the super pastor's wife mentality now. Yeah. (laughs) But that's not really reality. Right, We need someone that we can just share with and know that we won't be judged. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that happens. Uh, I would say sometimes probably for some pastor's wives, it may uh, begin to start that way. And it, it uh, for whatever reason, uh, that person may leave or you know, is no longer in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, but God uses that, too, to develop both individuals in, in that relationship. So yeah, for sure. it's key and it's important. Yeah, what do you think, Emily? I would say it's super important, and it's something that I personally, and I'm sure other pastors will have to do, I crave it. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to find another woman that you can trust with with telling things like that. And you feel like it needs to be somebody that is totally disconnected, doesn't ever see your people right. in the church. Right, that's what, that's what And they're never to going to. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, so it's it's super hard to find that 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 special woman that you can share, share your heart with, um, and that you won't be judged. Um, but there's been other people that I thought I could trust and, and maybe I said too much and then I felt judged, you know, or whatever. And so, Mm -hmm. um, but it's definitely something I crave. And I think it's very important for every pastor's wife to have somebody that they can pour in that they can tell, you know, their, their secrets to, or not only, not only that, but, um, just their life and their struggles is super important. That's awesome. Well, there's a ton of wisdom in this room at the female end of the table and uh, grateful for both of you sharing. All right. Well, we thank all of you for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. We hope you found the content and the dialogue all inspiring, encouraging, helpful. Great adventure. Great adventure. Yes. As always, we really appreciate all of your thoughts and feedback about the show. You can reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at 614 Rebuild. 
or you can leave us a voicemail at 601-909-0614. Listen to all of our voicemails, and we might even include yours in an upcoming episode.